This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. It's now time for you to sit back and prepare for insights on your walk with Christ. Let's join today's message right now. All right, well, happy Sunday again to everybody at Emmanuel, whether you're joining us worshiping online at any of our locations. And how many are thankful that God is present in the church this weekend? Come on, right? He is here, and uh, it's great. We love it. Some first, second, third time guests checking us out. Being, you are welcome at Emmanuel. I love, just spread the word. Everybody's welcome to experience God's love at Emmanuel. What a crowd. This is a great crowd. Look around for July. Come on, summer, and we're in the middle of summer, and look at everybody that's in the auditorium. There's a lot of people here. Go ahead, turn to the person next to you and say, I'm glad you don't have a cabin either. Go ahead and say that to them, because that's probably the true story for most of us, right? Amen, amen. And if you are at your cabin watching us, you're sort of welcome. No, anyways, um, we're a little jealous, but we're glad everybody's part of church, it's exciting. Hey, uh, this weekend's message is, we're in the middle of the series on the Gospel of Mark. It's been amazing. If you've missed any of the previous weeks, go online and watch it. It'll be a blessing to you. Last weekend, uh, as kind of right in the middle of our series, we had Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge with us. And uh, if you weren't here, you can still watch that online as well. But one of the things, not only were we moved by the testimonies and the lives changed, but at Emmanuel, we love to partner. They're one of our Kingdom Builders partners, Minnesota Teen Challenge. And we went after an aggressive project, Sisters of Survival, a new initiative, to fund it for an entire year. Our goal was $40,000. So this represents all locations, but we're gonna celebrate that. We received $41,353. Come on, church. That is so good. Yes, isn't that great? I love it. That's, isn't that just, your gift matters and it's changing lives. And I love that generosity continues to grow in our great church. It's just, it's exciting. All right, so I want everybody to say this after me, even at all of locations watching online, if you'd say this, what do you really mean? One more time, what do you really mean? Thanks. That's usually a question that gets asked when you're trying to get a little more clarity or you're trying to get a little more understanding or you're trying to find out what somebody really thinks. You might ask them the question, what do you really think? What do you really mean? And it's a question that gets asked in the New Testament, asked by Jesus, and even in chapters 9 and 10 of the book of Mark, which is our focus this week. And, and again, I encourage you every week, read those chapters multiple times. There's reading plans and devotion plans online that you can be a part of as well. But uh, that's a strong question. What do you mean? And how many of you know it can a little be a trick question? It can also be a trick question, right? Um, I've been married for over 30 years. Can I just tell the husbands that are watching? That could be a trick question that your wife asks you. Right? Something like, what do you mean? What do you think? If your wife ever asks you the question, honey, do I, do I look great in this outfit? How many know there's only one answer? Even if it's not true. There is just one answer. Like, first you're like, do you want to look great? You do. Okay, you look great, right? And there's, these, there's times in the natural that that happens. And there's this, there's this moment in Scripture that I, I believe God just... God is gonna drop this in our hearts, and whether you've read this before or it's a first time for you seeing this at one of our Emmanuel locations this weekend, I just want you to be open to what God wants to say to you. Be open to the Spirit of God. None of us are here by accident. None of us are here to check a box, amen, church? 
We are here to have an encounter with God, to learn from his truth, and I believe God's going to speak to each and every one of us. And I, getting ready for this message, I feel like God, God said, Darren, I want you to share this scripture. And, um, and I just, I want to, I just want to read it because it's a, it's a strong scripture, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, it says, now faith, now faith is confidence. Everybody say confidence. Faith is confidence in what we hope for, and it's, a, it's assurance about what we do not see. And I ask you to sh- say aloud the word confidence because I just believe it's a word that God wants us to grasp for this weekend's message as we really kind of dive into Mark chapter 9, this idea of confidence. It's such a part that I think Jesus wants us to walk in confidence. If you're at Emmanuel this weekend, God wants us to walk in confidence in our faith journey. It doesn't mean it's pride in ourself, it's confidence in who he is and the things that he deposits into our lives. And so this will be up on the screen. You can follow along in the app as well. If you're taking notes, I would encourage you to do this. My simple definition I'm gonna give you for confidence is this, a very strong trust. A very strong trust. Usually if we are confident in something, we have a very strong trust that, that that's just the way it is, that that's the reality, no matter, no matter what it is. And confidence, I'll share with you briefly, I believe is usually built on one of two things. Usually either one of these things. And I, this is the little introduction part of the message, but I don't want, you to miss, don't want you to miss it. Confidence is usually built on one or two things. The first thing it can be built on is this, what we know to be true through experience. What we know to be true through experience is usually how one of the places that confidence gets built in our lives. So what we know, everybody say no. What we know to be true through experience. And so those thoughts of when, how many know that if you've ever experienced healing, God's healing, you believe in healing, don't you? You have a trust and a confidence that God can heal. If you've ever seen a a salvation moment in your own life and God has forgiven you of your sins, you have a confidence, right, that God forgives us of our sins, right? Because you have experienced that. If you have a loved one that ran from God in his back, and is serving Jesus Christ. You have a confidence that God rescues prodigal children and prodigal sons and daughters and moms and dads and brothers and sisters because you have experienced it. If you have lived in generosity and you've seen that it is more blessed to give than to receive and you've experienced that you can never outgive God, once you've experienced that, how many of you know that you have a confidence in it? That, wow, God is true in that way. So again, what we know to be true through experience. The second kind of foundation or the second thing confidence can be based on is what we hold to be true in our thinking. Everybody say hold. What we hold to be true in our thinking. And I want you to just lean in, track with me on this. I know I say that a lot, but I just think this is super important because I think God by his spirit for all of us, no matter you're a brand new Christian, you're exploring the faith this weekend, you're a, you're a faithful member of Emmanuel, no matter where you're coming from, whatever location you're at, wherever you're watching from, I think God's gonna speak to us about our thinking, and God's gonna help us in this area. The second foundation that confidence is usually built on is what we hold, what we hold on to be true in our thinking. It's not near as strong as what we experience. So what we hold to be true. Let me give you a practical example. So I'm a, I'm a lifelong Minnesota fan. So here's what, I, here's what I hold to be true in our thinking. What I know is true in my thinking is the Green Bay Packers are not a very good team. 
Seriously, can I hear, somebody say amen right now, right? I mean, they are just, not, and even when they win, it's usually lucky, right? Right? So how many know that stuff we hold true to in our thinking can be faulty, right? Right? And all the Packers fans say amen, right? But anyways, yeah, just stay in the balcony. Anyways, um, I'm just kidding. Uh, there's these moments in our lives that we hold on to things, and sometimes what we hold to be true is accurate, and sometimes what we hold to be true is inaccurate. And all of us have this battle, this fight. Again, no matter where we're at in our faith journey, we can, we can experience this. So let's jump in. Mark chapter 9. We're going to read a lot of scripture. I hope you love God's word this weekend. It says, we're going we're gonna to begin um, and, and just look at this in verse 14. We're going to begin after the experience of the Mount of Transfiguration, which is an incredible message all by itself. These two chapters are filled with so much powerful truth from the, from the Lord. But we're still going to read a lot. So here we go. When they return, return from the Mount of Transfiguration to the other disciples... They saw a large crowd surrounding them, and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son to you. I brought my son so you, excuse me, so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, it's a strong reply Jesus gives. You faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, wreathing, writhing, and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit, that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. He said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent compulsion, convulsion and it left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead now. But Jesus took him by the hand, helped him to his feet, and he stood up. Man, we just read one of the most miraculous accounts, and there's so many of them in Scripture. And before we dive into this passage, I, I just want to give you an overview of how miraculous God's Word is. So let me give you an overview of how it complements. This is Mark chapter 9. This is just kind of an overview. If you were to look at the entire chapter, even going into chapter 10, here's what we know if we look at the whole thing. God's showing us this, this kind of overview. The first thing is this. God is willing to do miracles. God is willing to do miracles. And some of you are like, oh, Pastor Darren, I know that. There's a lot of people that don't believe that. Can I just tell you that we do believe that at Emmanuel. We do believe, we do believe that in the word of God. 
that God is willing to do miracles. There's multiple miracle moments. Here's the second one. God wants to use us in miracle moments. God wants to use you and us in miracle moments. When Jesus did these miracles all throughout chapter 9, transfiguration, the healing, all what took place after that, he didn't do them in isolation by himself. He wanted other disciples to be used in the miracle process. So we just know that just, just, I want you to hear this clearly. I just feel like God said pause. I just want you to know that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, regardless of your past or how broken you may have been, if you are fully surrendered to Jesus Christ, God wants to use you. You to do amazing, special, incredible things and hold on to that truth. Amen, church? Here's the next one. God's power is not limited by chaos. I love this. God's power is not limited by chaos. Mark 9 is, full, is filled with this moment of some craziness going on and people throwing questions at Jesus and crowds arguing together and religious leaders arguing together and in the midst of the chaos that we'll look at a little closer in a few moments, it, it, the chaos in no way limited Jesus' power to move. So no matter what's going on in any of our lives, no matter what's happening, no matter what's happening in our cities, in our states, in our governments, in our world, wherever it is, God can intervene in the chaos, and the chaos that's happening in our world in no way limits his power. And I don't know about you, but that's good news. That is just good news. It, it affects us, there's no doubt, because we live in it, but it doesn't affect God's power. Here's the fourth one, quick, on the overview. God wants our thinking to be healthy. God wants our thinking to be healthy. He wants us to think life. He wants us to think biblically. He wants us to think thoughts that are not limited by us, but that are founded in how true and powerful he is. So God just wants to speak to us about our thinking. Jesus used the phrase, what do you mean? Or what do you really mean? Or a phrase like it. That's the title of this weekend's message. What do you really mean? He used a phrase like this multiple times throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, multiple times. He used a phrase, this phrase or a phrase like it, when he really wanted to understand what someone was saying or when he needed to correct their thinking. Multiple times he needed to bring correction to their thought process and that's for all of us too. I need that, you need that, we all need that in certain times where Jesus needed to correct their thinking. I mean, there's multiple places in the Gospels. You remember there's this moment where Jesus says to his disciples, his followers, and they're worried about supplies and stuff like this. He said, he said to them, hey, why do you worry about the clothes you might wear tomorrow? Why? Well, he knows he wants to get inside their head a little bit or challenge them to change their thinking. And there's another place in the New Testament where Jesus says, why do you call me Lord but do not do or obey my commands? That's a why question where he's like, I, I need to understand what's your thinking here and I want to bring redirection or correction to it. So and, and before you think of somebody else that needs this, hold a mirror up right here. Because we all need this, right? Amen, church? That's right, we can clap for that. We all need this. I need it in my life, we, we, all, we all need it, it's so true. So now we're gonna dial in a little bit here and look at this 
incredible. I, I get excited because this just has rocked my world over the last couple weeks. Jesus says here, look at it with me, it's on the screen. When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. What is all the arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that, that won't let him talk. Oh man, there's so much happening here. The, this is a chaotic situation. The setting is that way. There's a crowd, most Bible scholars believe, there's from two, two, three, hundred to five hundred people that are there. There's chaos going on. There's debating between the religious leaders. There's a father that's desperate for his son to be healed. There's a boy that's possessed by an evil spirit. All that's going on, it's chaos, it's craziness. And here, God just, God just, shined a spotlight on something for me the last few weeks reading this. And I just want, I don't want you to miss this. So all that's going on, craziness. And I had this thought, I feel like the Holy Spirit dropped it in my mind, in my heart. It's just an amazing part of this moment. Here it is. Jesus didn't send anyone away. He didn't send anyone away. Remember I shared that God can move and his power is not limited by chaos. There is all these people losing it, freaking out, not sure what's going on, debating, arguing, fighting, all this stuff's happening. And Jesus didn't send anyone away. They're doubting the miracle that could happen. All this stuff's going on. And it just kind of grabbed, it just kind of grabbed my heart that Jesus kept them all close. He kept them all close. Can I just share this with you? That there's, a, there's, this, there's this moment in this passage where oftentimes we will get it wrong. Oftentimes we might say the wrong things. Oftentimes we might not, not kind of get our, our thinking correct and our words correct, and we may, we may be part of the chaos that's happening. There's these moments that happen, but I don't want you to miss this. Even when we get it wrong, Jesus allows us to stay in proximity to him. Did you hear that? Everybody look at me. Even when we get it wrong, Jesus allows us to stay in proximity to him. And how many know that's important because we get it wrong? Right? Raise your hand if you've ever gotten it wrong, right? I mean, we get it wrong at times, and Jesus is like, I'm not going to send you away. I'm going to help you, and I'm going to be a part of what God's doing, and it's going to be incredible. That's all right. Well, don't worry about anything else. We'll, we'll take care of that. Here's the truth. This will be up on the screen. Jesus understands our humanity. Jesus understands our humanity. Jesus understands your humanity. He understands that we're natural, that we're normal, that these things happen, and it's just incredible. Every campus, every location of Emmanuel, those watching online, Jesus understands our humanity. He knows what we struggle with. He understands that we don't always get it right, and I love this, and he doesn't send us away. That's why we say you are welcome in this church, that you should run to Jesus because God can do incredible, amazing things when we come to him, amen? So true, so true. Let's look closer here. So verse, verse 21 says this. This is, this is such a key moment. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. I'm gonna pause here. How long has this been happening? 
do you think Jesus really needed to know the answer to that question? I wonder why he asked that question. I think he asked it for other people that were watching around him. I think he asked it for the boy's father, and I think he asked it for his disciples. Because he wanted to send a message that no matter how long you have been desperate for a need to be fulfilled and healed, God can still do it. No matter how long, right? No matter how long. He's like, I just want it to be clear. Jesus, it didn't matter to Jesus. He's just like, I, don't want, I want everybody that's watching to have in their thinking that no matter, it doesn't matter how long the child's been lost, doesn't matter how long I've been fighting infertility, doesn't matter how long the cancer's been there, doesn't matter how long I've been praying for somebody. God's like, I, I can do it today. I can do it today. That is the truth of God's word. Let's pick, let's pick it up. He replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire, into the fire, into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can? Jesus replied. What did Jesus say? What do you mean? Some of you thought my title wasn't biblical, right? There it is. Right? It's right there. Jesus is like, what, what do you mean? This is this incredible moment. Can I set it up? I know you're, you're already with me this weekend, but, but there's hundreds of people that are gathering. Matter of fact, we just read where it said so many more people were coming that Jesus stepped in to solve it right then because the crowd was getting so big. They're witnessing all that's going on, and Jesus has this moment where the father, the boy that wants the son to be healed, just like any of us would want our child to be healed, makes this statement, and just probably wasn't trying to make the statement, but showed what was going on in his thinking. He said, hey, hey, I want my boy to be healed, and if you can, heal him. And Jesus said, whoa, 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 everybody stop. Everybody stop. Look what he said. Everybody stop. He says, he says Dad, what do you mean, if I can? And he says, everything's possible, only believe. And there's this incredible moment. And I just, I feel this for my own life. I feel it for everybody at church this weekend. I feel like God's, God said, Jesus said this in this moment. Hey, before we move forward with the miracle, we gotta fix some thinking. We gotta fix some thinking. We gotta change some of our thinking. Before, we, before I step forward, the miracle happens, the boy's gonna be delivered, everybody's gonna celebrate when they realize what's happening. Before that, I wanna make sure that everybody is clear that there is no if you can when it comes to God. There is no if you can. There just isn't. And Jesus is literally, I'm not making this up, it's so strong in the text. He's literally saying just, there's, just, there's just this pause. And can we just, can I just say this? I think this is a key part of this passage. Let's be careful not to judge the boy's dad too harshly. Right? Let's give him credit. Number one, where did he bring the boy? To Jesus. Number two, can I ask you this question? How many of us have ever been desperate for something where we needed God to do a miracle, right? Put your hands up. How many know when you're desperate, you never know what's gonna come out sometimes, right? And this, this, there's this desperation that's there, and the boy's father's like, man, I, I need Jesus to bring healing to this moment. So I'm gonna give you four things. This will be up on the screen, if you can, that are attached to our prayer lives. I'm gonna go through them quick, and I'm just gonna ask you, don't miss these, because I think, I think there's something here for, for everybody. And I'll, some of it's teaching, but I'm gonna try to run through it pretty fast. And it's about our prayer lives and how we approach God. If you can, allows my faith 
to leak out of my prayers. When we pray with an if you can thinking, it allows my faith to leak out. Everybody say leak out. Leak out of my prayers. There's a, there's a valve in our prayer life, a faith valve, and if we're, not, if we're not careful with our verbiage, it's not that our words are everything, but mainly our thoughts about how big God is, how great he is. If we pray, God, hey, if you're able to do this someday, sort of, our faith leaks out. And it's just, it's just gonna happen. Here's the next thing. If you can, verbiage, takes the pressure off my prayers. It takes the pressure off my prayers. Don't miss this. You're like, well, Pastor, how does that work? It takes the pressure off my prayers. When I pray, oh God, if you, if you can, God, if you can, God, if you're able, God, if you're willing, it removes all the responsibility off of me and puts it on him. And I am supposed to be responsible to come in faith, come in trust, come in believing, come in confidence, Hebrews 11.1. 1. I am supposed to come that way. So I don't, I don't wanna say, God, if you can, because I wanna say, God, help me believe like the boy's father said. So if you can, can do that. Here's the next one. If you can, lowers the urgency in my prayers. If you can, lowers the urgency in my prayers. Let me ask you the question, Emmanuel. Are we praying for revival in our church, in our city, in our nation, in our world for next year? Or do we want it this summer? When do we want it, right? Let's not pray for it next year. Let's not pray for the healing next month. Let's not come to a prayer team member after service at any of our manual campuses and say, you know what, I'm battling this, I'm struggling with this. Would you just pray that this would go away next year? Amen? I hope the prayer team member says, time out. Time out. God's here to do the miraculous right now. Urgency is important. Right? It's not that we're forcing the hand of God. We can't force the hand of God. But our expectation, our desire is, yes, please, Lord, would you do it now? Would you do it now? Here's the last one. If you can, removes, look at this, removes God in our thinking, in our thinking, from his place of omnipotence. If you can, a mindset that says, oh, if you can, God, it removes God in our thinking. Remember, we talked about thinking a lot. From his place of omnipotence. Somebody like, oh, pastor, that's a big word. Omnipotence basically means our God is all-powerful. So there's three characteristics of God. Omnipresence, omnipotence, and omniscience. Omnipotence is our God is all-powerful. It's one of the unchanging things about God. And so if we pray prayers at times, even though they're really big and difficult, that has a, a mindset of if you can, in our thinking, in our thinking, it removes him from his place of omnipotence. I wish I had more time to teach on this one because I just think it's so important. I'm gonna share a phrase with you called vantage point. Everybody say vantage point. Vantage point is this, it's a position or place that offers a wide, high, or advantageous perspective. Offers a wide, high, or advantageous perspective. That's a vantage point. And I mean, law enforcement will use this, military will use this, pilots will use this, all sorts of different, there, people will get up high in the, in the Empire State Building and different places in the Sears Tower and it's in Chicago and different places to see up above and vantage point is so important. It's all about a better perspective, vantage point. God just dropped this in my heart 
a few weeks ago, and I've just been processing it. Isaiah 55, as you get to know me, you know these two verses are two of probably my top 10 in Scripture. Verses 8 and 9, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are so far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Let me illustrate this a little bit. So if we walk outside of our Emmanuel locations this weekend, if we walk outside of our house, we can see, look down our streets, look down our neighborhoods, look over the horizon, we can see for maybe a half a mile. That's on a good day, if we're at ground level. We can look down and maybe see kind of a half mile. We won't see much detail, but that's kind of the scope of how far we can see. Let me show you this picture of the Minneapolis metropolitan area. This picture is taken from an elevation of between 2,000 and 2,500 feet. If you've ever flown into the Twin Cities on a really clear day, you will see this type of picture if you're looking out the window. So when I'm at ground level, I can look out, I can look down the street, I can look around my neighborhood, I can be at my kid's soccer game with binoculars and I can see things still about a quarter mile to a half mile away. I'll just see them a little clearer. When you're coming in at an altitude of two to 3,000 feet, you can see 30, 40 miles across the metro. The vantage point is so much better. The scripture we just read Mark chapter nine, what Jesus is trying to tell people, what he's trying to tell everybody at Emmanuel this weekend, he's trying to say, hey, hear me. God's saying, my vantage point is so much better than your vantage point. It's so much better. I see it so clearly. You see this part of your life, I see this part of your life. And you can trust me because Jeremiah 29, 11 tells you what I see for your life. It is an incredible future that's filled with hope. God's like, that's what I see. And I love that thought, I love that perspective, I love that idea, that's what God is asking me to buy into and say, God, when God asked Darren, Darren, what do you really think? I think he's asking all of us, what do you really think? So I'll finish with this question. Where is God asking you today? Where is God asking you today? Do you really, do you really believe? Do you really believe? Maybe you're at church this weekend or watching us and you've never fully committed your life to Jesus. You've kind of explored, you've looked at it and, and you haven't fully gone in. Like, I, I just don't know if that whole eternity, radical life change salvation is really gonna happen. Well, it can. And God's just saying, will you, will you fully believe? Maybe it's for that lost loved one. Maybe it's in the area of stewardship. And you're like, ah, oh, it's so hard for me to give and I just don't know and I, I'm holding on too tight. And God's just like, do you really believe? Maybe it's in forgiving that person that's hurt you, wounded you, and that, that in the natural de de deserves judgment. But God's like, I wanna set you free from unforgiveness. Do you really believe? No matter what it is, I think God's asking all of us, and again, I put a mirror right here because God challenges me. Darren, do you really believe? Emmanuel, do you really believe? Everybody that's at church this weekend, I believe God's saying, do you really 
believe that I can do this in your life. Bow your heads with me, please. God, we love you so much. And God, we just take a moment to pray for everybody that's in this service, everybody that's part of this weekend. God, thank you that nobody's here by accident. And the first thing we wanna do is, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, is we just wanna give everyone an opportunity. There's people at church this weekend that you know that your life is not right with Jesus. You know there's distance between you and God. You know there's separation. And you're here and you just know you need God's forgiveness. I'm not gonna embarrass you in any way, but you know that, God knows that. And maybe you've never fully committed your life to God. Maybe you've understood what I did for many years growing up. I, I understood religion, but I didn't understand relationship. And you're here in church and you're just like, you know what? I want a full relationship with Jesus. I want to be my Lord and Savior. I know he needs, I know I need forgiveness and I know he loves me so much and he wants to forgive me. Maybe you've prayed that prayer, but you've fallen away and you want to recommit your life to Jesus today. There's an urgency about today because God wants to meet that need today. So as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, if you're in this service, you just say, you know what, Pastor, would you include me in the final prayer? I wanna leave church knowing that my life is right with Jesus Christ. I want his forgiveness. I want his love. He's reaching out. He has not sent me away. He's allowed me to be close. And I want God's forgiveness. And you'd say, Pastor, include me in the final prayer. If that's you, I'm not gonna embarrass you, but I'm gonna ask you to respond. If that's your desire, raise your hand right now all over the auditorium. Put it up really high and keep it up. In Jesus' name, keep raising them. Keep raising them, amen. That's awesome. That's awesome. Come on, don't be ashamed. That is so good. Thank you on the balcony. Thank you in the balcony. Thank you in the balcony. Three more. That's awesome. Main floor. Anybody else? Last time I'll ask. No pressure. This is an invitation. You're like, Pastor, include me in the final prayer. I want that. In Jesus' name. Thank you. Way back there. That's awesome. That's so good. You can take your hands down. Pray this prayer after me. Everybody, let's repeat it together. In a few moments, Pastor Nathan will come up. He'll give us some more instruction. But this moment of prayer is so vital. If you're watching online, you can mark that in the chat. You can note that you're praying this prayer with us. Repeat this after me. Jesus, I come to you. Say it loud. Jesus, I come to you. I confess that I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I invite you into my heart to be my savior, to be my Lord, to be the leader of my life. Jesus, I want to live every day of my life for you. Jesus, I love you. Amen, amen. Can we celebrate that? Come on, that's so good. Thank you for listening to Emmanuel Today. You can learn more about the various ministries that Emmanuel offers and see Sunday services live every week. Check out emmanuelcc.org for details. Please be sure to tell others about this broadcast that they could enjoy next week at this same time.